Hello and welcome to the Medic Today podcast. Now this is a very special episode where we hear the first-hand experience of a rally medic out in Costa Rica. We welcome Dr. Claire Edwin, who has always been inspired by the outdoors. It was during a public health placement that the idea of gaining experience outside of the NHS that combining medicine with outdoor and adventure started to develop. After attending a World Extreme Medicine, Expedition and Wilderness Medicine course and meeting with a rally medic, Claire's path was set towards an expedition to Costa Rica and today we get to hear about it all. We are also joined by the international medical lead of Rally International, Katia Aldis, who shares about all the projects available to join today. Hi, Claire. Thank you for joining the Medic Today podcast. It's really great to have you here. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. It's lovely to be here. Great. So I'm going to jump right in and ask you to share a little bit about who you are, what it is you do, and then we'll talk more about Rally. Okay, so I'm a junior doctor, so I graduated in 2016, I did my foundation programme in the Midlands, and then after I finished my, sort of, as I was finished my F2, I started thinking about what I was going to do, still wasn't really sure, so I decided to take an F3. I'm currently a core surgical trainee in my CT2 in London, still a bit unsure about what I want to do, but um, mm. rally certainly changed a lot of things for me. And that's what I did during my F3 year, which is what I'm going to talk about today. Amazing. So go on. What, what was your F3 year like? Yeah, so I was quite keen to go and do some work abroad, but I was always a bit conscious of sort of overselling myself and perhaps not feeling quite qualified enough to, you know, go and run a clinic somewhere. So I was thinking... <laughs> opportunities that would allow me to travel but also use my medical skills and I think it was during my public health placement in the beginning of my F2 year that I really started to think about you know exploring other opportunities and mm. so a friend and I from university uh, attended the World Extreme Medicine Expedition and Wilderness Medicine course in Plasi Brennan in Wales which was amazing really useful great to like network with lots of like-minded people um, and it was there that I met a rally medic. I'd already heard about rally before but I was a bit apprehensive and sort of like on the fence but I spoke to Katie, I think she's moved on now but she was one of the rally medics working in the head office and she was just so enthusiastic about the whole, whole thing, I just completely sold so I basically signed up thereafter um, and within a couple of months I did my selection weekend and then a few months later I was on sort of pre-deployment weekend training and then I went away in February 2019 to Costa Rica. Wow so before I go on to all your stories and your experiences at Costa Rica I'd be really interested to hear what was that application process the selection process like what did it involve? So the application process is really easy. It's just online filling in a form. Um, the selection weekend is a bit sort of top secret, but let's just say it's not it's not what you'd ex- it's not necessarily what you'd expect on a selection weekend, but it definitely mm. you. But it was really like a great opportunity, and you met like lots of every time you met people, you're like, oh, this is like a really good community to join. So it was quite an exhausting weekend, but very useful, and I think it really sort of typified what rally kind of is and why did you pick costa rica 
So I kind of went through various iterations. I was going to go to Tanzania, then I was going to go to Nepal. And then I was really excited to go to any of them, really. Um, actually just worked out with my uh, interview dates. So the departure date for Costa Rica was the latest, and it meant I could interview for core training before I left. Mm. So that's really why I went to Costa Rica, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing now. It's an amazing country. So, yeah, I think the, the dates are somewhat a little like a little bit awkward with our training years and especially if you're only taking one year out so that spring departure is probably one of the easiest for medics to go on in that position as like doctors um but obviously nurses and paramedics it's a different different story okay so wherever you want to start about costa rica how was it for you out there yeah so costa rica is a beautiful small Central American country with this just amazing ethos. They've really, like, their leaders, their government have really grasped onto the fact that their the nature, the flora and fauna there and their biodiversity, which is sort of one of the, I can't remember the exact number, but one of the highest places of biodiversity on the planet. Um, and they've really tapped into that. And they've, you know, they're using, like, all renewable sources for their energy. They reforested sort of more than 50% of the country it's an amazing amazing place from that point of view obviously it's tropical which is nice (laughs) (laughs) so yeah sort of landed we we arrived in San Jose which is the capital and met with a few of us that had arrived at the same time and then we spent the night in a like a English school in San Jose um just on the floor of the gym (laughs) everyone got oh wow yeah, and then the next day we got the bus over to Turrialba, uh, which is sort of a, just underneath a volcano in sort of central-ish area of Costa Rica. And we stayed in a, a campus of a sort of agricultural university um, in some sort of out, outbuildings, if that makes sense. And we just had like a little field base there. So then we were sleeping in tents and like in our mosquito nets and on our roll mats for the next three months it's great so it's quite intense when you arrive obviously you're in a completely new place it's a little bit overwhelming I suppose (laughs) um learning you know meeting people from all around the world and then the training really starts you know from day one and it's there's a lot to go through you know there's lots of safety there's lots of team building um, and getting to know each other. So the first two weeks is is really intense, but because of that intensity, I think you just bond really quickly. So, you know, we became like a really like tight family within like two weeks. And I think it was on like the 14th of February, we had a day off. And I think we, by that point, we were literally just like, oh my God, we need a day off. And a few of us went rafting down the Rio Papuari, which is this amazing river. Some of the best places in the world to go rafting. Amazing. Really fast river at that time, but it was really fun. And then we had sort of like an evening sort of get together. Um, and that was, yeah, really nice bonding experience. And then a couple of days after that, the, the venturers arrived. So they're the volunteers aged... 17 to 24 and there's about 70 of them so all of a sudden what had felt like quite an overcrowded field base was definitely overcrowded um and then that training in sort of shorter piecemeal um fashion was like delivered uh, within our groups to our, our venturers so we did like a when it was just us as volunteer managers 
project managers, field-based staff. Uh, we did a sort of overnight trek. So we did like a practice trek from Turrialba and stayed in like a little like forest nearby. And then with the venturers, we did the same trek, but we didn't stay overnight. Um, and then I went out for my first rotation to a national park called La Cangrea, which was really interesting experience. <laughs> so we spent... I spent a few days there during my training just with my two other volunteer managers. So we had to do like a project management plan, all these things I've just never done <laughs> and sort of got to know the park rangers that we we're working with, sort of walked through the national park. So the national park is quite small, it's quite remote and it's not on the tourist trail at all. So um, it's, it's a government funded enterprise, you know, the national park system, but think because it's small it's not it's not got a huge amount of investment in it but in terms of its biodiversity it's a really fascinating place so it's part of it's like a, a bit of a indigenous rainforest that's uh, once stretched all the way from where La Cangrea is in the northwest of Costa Rica all the way down to the Osa Peninsula which is in the southwest um, which is an amazing forest that I went to travel to afterwards so yeah, La Cangrea was hot, humid, um, but the view from where we were staying in the morning at sunrise over these three mountains with all the forest is just like one of the best views that will last forever. Um, wow, that sounds so beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, but we had lots of work to do. So uh, when the ventures arrived, we had you know, quite a few tasks to get through. And a lot of that was, <clears throat> excuse me, clearing trails. Um, so forest trails, clearing leaves, digging paths and drainage so that the paths weren't destroyed in the wet season. So as a, as a medic, as a volunteer manager, you know, I had sort of kind of a dual role. So as a medic, it was looking after the, the welfare of the whole group, making sure people were drinking enough, eating enough, sort of managing with, with each other and, you know, sort of, as the volunteer managers, we were managing like group dynamics, which actually when you take, we had 17 or 18 people from around the world from really differing backgrounds. Some of that was, that was quite challenging to, to manage. And then obviously trying to motivate them that sweeping leads wasn't a waste of time, which someone <laughs> didn't know Because of course, a few days later, there'd be leaves on the floor because the rainforest is always dropping some of its leaves, particularly in the dry season to preserve moisture. So it was a challenge, but we, you know, we achieved what we wanted to achieve. And I think the most rewarding sort of sustainable thing we were doing, apart from, you know, clearing the trails is great. Um, and necessary for the park rangers to be able to to manage the park um, there really wasn't enough of them to to do that manual labor and in the intensity that it required so that's why they've worked with rally for probably over a decade um, and there's a trail in La Cangrea named after rally called Sendero Rally but we were also planting up saplings and tree seedlings that had been planted in the previous rally group in the autumn so those trees had grown over the over the few months and then we were potting them up and then they got taken to a reforestation project in somewhere else in Costa Rica, which really feels like you're contributing to something important. Yeah, absolutely. These projects sound really ethical and just so wonderful and great. Yeah, so I think that's one of the things I, I you know, really loved about Rally. 
every project they do is really thought out. And although that the volunteers, you know, the young people come out for a three week project and they do two or three of those on their, on their expedition, those projects are thought up for months, if not years beforehand, and they continue after. So Rally's involvement with those communities, those people, isn't just a three week block, you know, it's, it's something where at the end of that, that project, which is a long period of time, that could be handed back over to those communities and they take the ownership of it. You know, we are offering our help, manpower, whatever, whatever those communities need, Rally offers it rather than just giving help that's not needed or wanted or isn't sustainable. And that, you know, that kind of ethos is what I really bought into. Wow. So it sounds like, and, you know, you'd mentioned there were a lot of things that you had to do that you'd never done before in terms of project management, you know, the logistics of it. It sounds like you really got a great opportunity to not just be a medic, but to be more than that. I'd be quite interested to to hear how that was for you, because, you know, in the NHS, we, we are clinicians, we are clinical doctors and our managers deal with most of the management things that are are to deal with so how was that for you um, compared to the actual medicine so yeah absolutely most of what I did was project management and any expedition medic will tell you you know a good expedition is one where nothing happens or nothing exciting happens Um, so certainly in my my trek phase which was my next phase I was really fortunate I didn't lose any venturers to, you know, a medical problem. We didn't have to have any evacuations, which I really took as like, yeah, good, good medicine. <laughs> um, but really it's just luck. The, the project, so on the track phase, your project management, maybe it's not quite the same. It's more about sort of developing the leadership of the, of the young people, developing a bit of our leadership, sort of managing, setting up camps and making sure that our venturers are taking on the different roles they take. So being the navigator for the day, being the team leader for the day, um, and sort of just keeping that group dynamic. Obviously, as a medic, keeping them safe. And so in terms of project management, so certainly in my phase one in La Cangreja, that was, that was the most challenging thing, the, the management and the people management. And then in my final phase, I spent three weeks as field-based medic, and that is really, like, working as a medic with a manager point of view. So I didn't have, although I was looking after the sort of medical needs of, of the team at field base, every day, you know, I might get a call. There was one group that didn't have a medic, so I was their medic, but remotely. And then the, the other five groups had medics that had gone out to, to the different deployed areas. So two in community, two on track and one and, and one other in a natural resource management project like the national park. So that was quite a challenge. There was lots of things to get through, you know, stock take, ordering medications for the next groups, what else have to do? Managing sort of a headlights outbreak, managing medical evacuations, and then people that had had potential rabies exposures, um, which there's only been one case of rabies in Costa Rica in the last 10 years, but our protocols are like really stringent because obviously we can't afford to have anyone getting rabies. So uh, we had to arrange people to have vaccines and boosters all around Costa Rica during Holy Week in uh, 
Central American country. Um, so that was really challenging. And that was all management, like managing people, uh, working with my colleagues from Costa Rica and Nicaragua and, and the other team members at Fieldbase to like appreciate the urgency of some situations. Um, you know, where there was a medivac that had to be urgently sort of come out to ensure she could be assessed appropriately. So all of that is all like management stuff. The medic stuff isn't that challenging. It was like the logistical, the logistical management that was that was difficult and working with people that you've never worked before um, and arranging quite, you know, quite complicated evacuation plans in order to get our person from a to b we, we usually had a, a vehicle but our vehicle i sort of describe it had to go back to nicaragua to get its visa car visa i don't think that's the correct term but that's how i sort of imagine it in my head so we didn't have a vehicle for for our field base and it was at that week where we had everyone was getting a bit tired i think at the end of the expedition and we had one person that was you know needed to be evacuated and then i got a call like an hour later after we collected this this individual with you know quite a lot of difficulty arranging the logistics of that um and i got a call about the oh this person's been um a dog sneezed in in their face which they weren't supposed to be near a dog at all but that was that was really challenging so we had to evacuate someone else and it felt you know that that was really frustrating um so yeah your question about the management that's the, been the i think the thing that i learned the most and the, that was the most challenging and the thing I developed and realised it was something I'm really interested in, um, something that as medics, doctors, it's kind of always seen as a kind of byproduct of our training. You know, everyone's got a little leadership and management bit on their CV, but no one really knows what they're doing. <laughs> it's, not, it's not really trained. None of our training has been, in my, in my experience, very little of my, um, my training has, in, has mentioned leadership and management as anything more than just sort of like a side note. Whereas actually when I look at my seniors in work, that's like most of their job. You know, a lot of a lot of consultants reach consultancy and they've ticked all those boxes and they go to courses. But you know, I'm I'm not sure that that we're preparing people in the right way. And if we want medics, nurses, doctors, paramedics to be leaders and managers, then I think our training needs to be improved. So from, from that point of view, rally really has changed my angle on leadership and management and, and how kind of passionate I am about it. And I've got a fellowship next year with the Faculty of Medical Leadership Management um, to work as a fellow um, and basically develop that in a sort of more NHS and um, healthcare organisation kind of way. That That is so great. And I completely agree with you that you know a lot of our management and leadership tends to be something on the sidelines and in the context of our day-to-day -day work as opposed to any formal training or certification in um, management and leadership so congratulations and I'm excited for you so tell us about the medical stories what was the experience like being a rally medic out there what what happened who did you have to evacuate how was that in a another country where their, their health system is just so different yeah so i think costa rica isn't quite as challenging from a medical point of view as maybe tanzania and nepal um you know the healthcare system is is probably more more developed but one of 
the reasons that Raleigh sends medics out is to reduce that burden on the local population to prevent uh, Raleigh using lots of resources within those communities and taking that away from people that live there. So, you know, a lot of being an expedition medic is about prevention. Um, so when we when they arrive, we had a sort of we did gave a mental health awareness talk to the volunteer managers and the same again to the volunteers. And obviously we also went through, you know, general medical procedure. We ran practice casualty evacuations, so CASIVACs. So in the event of there being an emergency where casualty needs to be evacuated now, then every group had been through that procedure. Um, and by the end of it, everyone was getting much better at it. There was a, you know, a set A to, I can't remember where it goes down to, um, you know, a, a way of, of managing it. And it was a really good opportunity to also teach some sort of basic first aid and allow, you know, when these, like the venturers, volunteer managers go back into the, you know, their everyday life and God forbid anything happens, but they have some sort of experience where they've practiced this Kazi back sort of scenario. So that was really beneficial. And then of course, you know, it's, it's kind of like preventative. So making sure people wash their hands, uh, leading by example, make sure you always wash your hands, making sure you're always drinking enough and putting sun cream on and wearing a hat, like really basic things, a bit like being, you know, sometimes it did feel, you know, maybe not quite like being a mum, but, um, <laughs> you kind of have to be like, are you wearing your sun cream? Um, that kind of thing. And then we had, so I think I mentioned earlier, so issues when I was on field base, I did seem to be the person that had most of the medical issues. It did seem like there'd been a couple in the first two groups. There'd been lot, there'd been other, you know, logistical issues, but not so much medical. And then the last phase. I just seem to have lots of things thrown at me. Um, so yeah, we had people developed really bad head lice, which isn't something anyone teaches you at, at medical school, but all of a sudden it was like, Claire, these people got head lice, what are we gonna do about it? So, you know, that was, I read a lot about different treatments. Basically they just don't work. And the only way to get rid of it is to keep combing your hair with conditioner and just keep knit combing. So one of one of my colleagues spent a lot of time knit combing of adventurous hair. Um, having had some children before, she was sort of well well practiced. Um, <laughs> but that was almost like a public health containment. So it was like, oh gosh, they've arrived in that community and they've got they've got head lice. Where did they get it? They've just been on uh, what we call changeover. So all the groups come back together after the end of each three-week phase and then mix all together again for a couple of days and then get redeployed into new groups. So we were like, oh goodness, like everybody could have head lice. So then we sent we sent out to all the different groups like knit cones and conditioner <laughs> to try and see if anyone had had knits because otherwise imagine we could have had everybody with it. Fortunately, there only seemed to be uh, two or three individuals that had it and they were in that community. But um that was a bit of like public health practice. Um, and then there was other issues we had. Somebody had a, what looked to be like a drug, drug rash reaction um, was on trek and it just wasn't safe really to, to have her continue um, on the trek uh, because of that. 
So we brought her back and then she went to see, uh, you know, doctor had bloods run and, you know, everything was fine. But, you know, we never really got to the bottom of what, what had caused it. But that was the point of the medic. So rather than everybody going to the doctor, only one or two people in the whole time went to see a Costa Rican medical team. The way we work in Raleigh, so you don't really go as a doctor um, because otherwise you'd have to get like lots of registration issues. You go as a rally, as a medic and the nurses and paramedics and medics, doctors work under that, that remit. So you can work within a particular sort of framework that's very stringent that, and you also liaise closely with the rally team at head office if you are dealing with anything like that. Um, and then if anything, you know, bloods need to be done or any kind of intervention, then and other than giving sort of antibiotics for like a skin, like a bite or something, they'd go to, to a local provider of health, healthcare. So that felt much safer than me going as a post F2 that I'd spent eight months not doing anything clinical because I spent four months on academic and four months on public health. You know, I did not feel ready or prepared to go and, and get a registration in another country and, and practice medicine in another country that I wasn't prepared for. So you mentioned a dog sneezed into someone's mouth. What happened with that? Yes. Yeah, so one of the other rules of rally, there's quite a lot of rules that are to be abided is no touching of any animals for obvious reasons, because touching animals can result in problems. And obviously there's, comp you know, as I mentioned about being you know, medic, we aren't going as doctors or, mm. or nurses, we're going as a rally medic within a particular remit. And that's how the insurers and, and how they get, you know, you know, we're allowed to take people on these kind of amazing adventures. So one of those rules is don't touch animals or, or really get too close to them because of, of those risks. But I think yeah, it's really hard to manage everybody and I think on this occasion, somebody, the, the, the way it was described to me was I was looking at the dog's face and then it sneezed in my mouth. So <laughs> like, why are you looking at its face? Yeah, that was, that was how that happened. Um, and because it was, you know, potentially a mucosal exposure of an unknown dog and kind of have to treat it as you need to go and get your boosters so obviously everybody comes having had rabies vaccinations um and you have to, uh, the medics at, at field base make sure all of those vaccinations are ticked off before but you know we had to go and get boosters uh, just in case and that was fine it was just a logistical nightmare rather than because it's only provided in san jose um and we had to get the individual to san jose and then you have to have another booster i think it's like three days later 72 hours so that was another headache so one of my triumphs of being a field-based medic was finding out that i could get the second booster take like delivered to a pharmacy in Turialba, which meant that although because you need to get the first booster within i think 24 hours 48 hours maximum then you we would have to take them to san jose but the second booster could be ordered and delivered to Turialba where we were staying. So that really took out a big logistical issue of getting in and out of San Jose twice, just once. So that was good. Yeah. What's the distance between these areas? So I think between Turialba and San Jose, maybe it's like an 
and a half on a bus. Okay. It's quite far. Yeah, it's quite far, but it's not it's not crazy distance. Um, and actually, I think maybe the maximum we were away at any point was probably four hours away from field base. I think in in Tanzania and Nepal, I think you know that situation is completely different, um, and they're a lot further away from from field base. Was there anyone that you had to evacuate? Yes, yeah, so I we evacuated couple of people with musculoskeletal problems on track, uh, knee injuries that you'd expect. I really thought at one point I might have had to come out with on track because the blisters on my feet were ironically probably the worst. Um, and I, it's just something I've always suffered with whenever I've gone DOV or anything. And whatever I do, whatever boots I buy, whatever preventative measures, I just always end up with blisters. And I'm, you know, my blisters were really, really uncomfortable, and that really tested my resilience. But I, I persevered. But yeah, so we had. I think we brought out someone with blisters on the first trek. Um, they managed sort of about five days, and then they came off, and then they got put into a different, um, a different group. We had, yeah, knee injuries, the drug reaction, rash. But that was really kind of, kind of it. You mentioned um, Holy Week during the yeah. conversation and that, you know, it was a triumph to to sort something out at that point. What was the story about Holy Week and what happened? So everything kind of shuts down in Holy Week leading up to Easter Sunday. So I think as the medic I was, and the field in field base, I wasn't really allowed to leave within a certain distance of field base obvious reasons um so I was there on hand like you're on call 24 7 for three weeks but my one of my sort of Costa Rican colleagues that was working as a deputy operations manager he he took um the individual into San Jose to get the booster job and everything was just really shut down you know the bus services were greatly reduced and it you know it's just quite hard to get anything done that week to be honest because <laughs> it's it's like a religious festival and mm. Yeah, that was a challenge. Okay. Uh, something to be aware of. What do you miss the most about it? Miss the sort of the camaraderie of the group. And, you know, I think our rally volunteer manager group is in contact at least two or three times a week on WhatsApp, you know, arranging like a reunion. That was just amazing to like work with people for such a short period of time within like a week, 10 days, it felt like I'd known them months and months. Some people I had met, you know, before we departed, but only for a couple of days. So I think that just community feel. I really liked just not having much to worry about. It was a lot to worry about, but I didn't have a lot of stuff to worry about. You know, I went out there with a big bag and I came back with a big bag. I didn't, you know, it's quite, quite nice not to have to think about yeah, all of the materialistic things that you sort of get sucked into worrying about when you come back, sort of learning to live with a bit less. It's not something I'm very good at practicing now. <laughs> I do try, and I have certainly tried to be more conscientious about that since. I really just relished on Trek the, the way that when you wake up in the morning, the only thing you really have to worry about is getting everybody out on time, making sure we leave the place clean and tidy, eating breakfast, walking, and your real goal of the day is just to get from A to B. And it's just, and to do that for three weeks is such a privilege. 
you know, to have the time and the space to be able to do that is just incredible. And then, you know, at the end, set up camp, work out what's going to happen the next day, eat some dinner and then go to sleep. It's just really freeing to just not have any of that extraneous stuff to, to worry about. You know, you had one goal and it was just a yeah, really amazing experience. You know, not least you get to meet like lots of amazing people traveling through these villages and staying in sort of rundown community centers or on football pitches or, you know, and then trekking through sort of proper wilderness forest. It's just a real, really amazing experience. And I also just loved being like a mentor to the volunteers, um, something I really kind of didn't really realize it was something I, I loved doing so much. Um, I had done it a little bit. I'd done some leadership for the DOV after I got my old award. Um, I sort of volunteered when I was still at university um, towards the end. And I, I think that was kind of where this kind of interest kind of like started to develop. But yeah, I really enjoyed being a mentor to some of those individuals and watching them sort of grow and develop and their confidence and the personalities come out. You know, I remember there was one boy that was really, really quiet and really just obviously just very introverted. And he just like, you could just see him grow like in such an amazing way. And you kind of feel a bit dubious about how can people really change that much in, in a few weeks, 10 weeks. But it was just amazing to watch some of, some of the individuals like like blossom as you would say so that was really cool amazing and what would you say what did you learn about yourself what's the one thing that you've learned about yourself following on from that experience so I I do think I'm resilient although there's lots of been bad press about that word recently <laughs> I think what I learned is even though I'm resilient I should ask for help when I need it so I think, yeah, I think that's actually a quite hard thing to do. I don't think I'm, I'm, I was very good at it. I wouldn't say I'm brilliant at it now, but I'm definitely better. And I think Rally really, really taught me that. And that was particularly about my experience when I was struggling with my feet on the trek. I just have this kind of like sense of shame of asking people to carry some of my stuff. But um, I absolutely, I was like, I'll carry the medic kit. Like it's heavy, but I'm not, not going to carry that. That's like not fair you know some lovely people you know carried like my little bag of clothes or um my wash bag for a few few days which you know I was just so grateful for but yeah asking for help more is probably what I learned most amazing would you recommend medics joining rally absolutely expeditions yeah it's not for the faint-hearted but definitely if you want to learn a lot about yourself obviously learn a lot about leadership and, and management in a completely different novel environment and in a way that you'd you know, never be able to, to sort of develop maybe as junior as, as we could in the NHS, then absolutely go for it. It's like an amazing adventure. And yeah, I would love to do it again at some point. Amazing. If you had one message, one message for our listeners, what would it be? So I heard this the other day on some podcasts I was listening. Nothing ever great happens inside your comfort zone. That would be my message. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. I love I absolutely love that quote. And I and I think that's absolutely right. Sometimes you don't even know what you're going to put yourself into, but actually it's taking yourself out of what you know and what's familiar to really 
have a great time actually and learn so much and, and grow. So thank you for that quote. And just to finish off, in your opinion, what do you think it means to be a medic today? Yes, so I've been ruminating over this of this question. I think being a medic, be that a doctor, nurse, paramedic, you know, whatever it is, the opportunities in healthcare are endless and there's a huge, huge variety. But it's a hard, it's hard work. Um, it's emotionally tiring. And I think it's really important to find something that you're passionate about, be that in your work whether you just absolutely love cardiology or if you just haven't had that that luck where you find that speciality that makes you, you know, get really excited, then find something else that you're passionate about. Is it leadership management, global health, and just always try and open new doors and explore all the options available. Thank you so much. I feel really excited about the adventures to come with Rally International. And thank you so much for sharing your experience. I, I feel like I want to be out there. <laughs> I want to apply. <laughs> opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I think it really helps because sometimes, you know, like you felt when you first applied, you weren't really sure, you mm. know, whether it would throw yourself into, into this program. That understanding what it's like to be a medic or, you know, a team lead or a project manager out there and, and what it really involves, you know, hands on deck out there, what it looks like is really, really useful and helpful to help us decide if, you know, if this is for me or not. In, in any case, me saying that, I think everyone should have an experience like that anyway, because it just, you never know what it's like and you meet the most wonderful people and I can't wait to be out there. I keep telling Katia this, that I'm going to apply. <laughs> Definitely do it. I wouldn't hesitate to do it again. And I often try and sell it to some of my junior colleagues if they're looking for something to do in their F3. Yeah, I don't think I've met anybody that's regretted it. Um, so make, and if you really want to do it, just make the time. You know, it, it's really hard to find, to open all these doors that you want to explore you know, and it's difficult working around your years, but if you really want to do it, take two years out. Um, I really don't think in the long run it's going to make a big harm to your career. Just sort of exclude the noise and be that inside your own head or outside where everyone's like, oh, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? You know, that's a really long time to take out. Just if you really think that you want to spend time with Rally, then go and do it and you won't regret it. You'll find something to do when you come back. Thank you so much. And we have Katia back on, who is the international medical lead at Rally International. Hello. Hi, how are you, Alicia? I'm good. I've just had the most wonderful conversation with Claire about her experiences in Costa Rica. Yeah, it's made um, me jealous. I want to go back again. <laughs> um, so I'd love to know, you know, in the context of, you know, since our original conversation, where we introduced Rally and everything that it does. Where are we now uh, with regards to the pandemic and your programs um, and how can we get involved? Excellent question. Well, we are head down in the planning and um, preparation for delivering our expedition program again. Um, we're looking at June, July departures. Um, so that's from when people would leave their homes to join us in either Nepal or Costa Rica. And we're really excited. The planning is really coming together now. 
our teams in both uh, Nepal and Costa Rica have been working super hard, scoping out new projects and, and areas we can work in and new partnerships that we can build going forward. Um, that's not to say it's going to be exactly the same um, as it used to be. We are, of course, like everything, going to have to make some changes and, and adapt to the COVID context. So Claire talked about how fun it was sort of mixing up the groups and the training and being squished in like sardines. Well, <laughs> um, it's not quite going to be like that. We are going to try and sort of keep the groups separate. Um, but we'll still be working on natural resource management projects. We will still be doing the adventure leadership trek phase um, in Costa Rica and in Nepal. We're going to be doing also our community-based um, projects, looking at water sanitation and hygiene, as well as um, community resilience in, in some areas through some of our projects as well. So still amazing opportunity. Um, the team in Nepal have recently been out scoping out new trek routes, um, because we're going to try and get more volunteers out. So looking at um, different areas, of the Himalayas that we can go through, new viewpoints, um, you know, peak days so that there's something to look forward to um, before the, the downhill uh, towards the end of the trek. And wow. yeah, super exciting. How amazing. And are there, you know, for, for people who may not want to travel because of COVID, are there any UK-based projects that are happening right now? Absolutely. We are gearing up for our first ever UK-based programme. It's called ReGreen, and we're working at the moment with partners up in um, the west of Scotland, so up on that sort of very rugged coast area, looking on a few different estates at um, replenishing the land and getting it back to what it used to be. So over the years, you know, land management and usage changes. And um, there are a few estates that we're working with that really want to regreen the areas um, of their estates. So currently we are about to probably in the next few days open up applications for that and put out some more information. If people are interested in that, it, we don't have the medic roles. Um, because of the way the legislation and um, support system works from the UK base. So we have got volunteer manager posts, which medics are, you know, really welcome to join. And from a point of view, I think Claire was talking a bit about working with the young people and mentoring. Again, it's a project delivered through young people. And there's going to be a lot of that. So there'll be a two-week phase where we're doing the re-greening work on the estates and then there'll also be for anyone who wants to do a slightly longer project so we've got a four-week one where you also do a two-week trek hike through the scottish uh, mountains uh, we're looking around the noida peninsula the noida area at the moment and okay. some trek routes around there uh, hoping to scope those out in more detail in the coming weeks so yeah that sounds really exciting. wonderful yeah that sounds really wonderful should be good. And of course, that will be COVID compliant with the UK government guidance, um, but heavily supported by the Scottish guidance as we will be based in Scotland. Awesome. And where can people find out more information and apply? 
Yeah, so um, for applications, it's all through our website, and that's www.rallyinternational.org. And you can go to the volunteer opportunities, and then you can choose there the UK based opportunities or the international um, expedition based ones if you just want some more information check out our social media so we're on linkedin and facebook and instagram uh, those are our sort of most popular areas um, you can also give us an email drop us an email info at rallyinternational.org and one of the team will be more than happy to get in touch with you to have a chat through if you want a phone call or we can carry on with email back and forth Perfect. Thank you both so much for sharing about Rally International. I keep saying this, uh, Katia, I'm going to apply. I'm, I'm, as soon as this call is finished, I am going to go to rallyinternational.org to find out more. I'll hold you to that. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the Medic Today podcast. You can find more information about the projects at rallyinternational.org. As ever, we would love to hear your thoughts and feedback. So drop us a comment at The Medic Today. And we'll see you at the next episode for more inspiring and mind-shifting conversations.